Hello, welcome to another episode of the STARS podcast series Shattered Lives, which is focusing on the ongoing murder trial of Jerry Hutch. My name is Michael O'Toole and I'm the paper's crime correspondent. Jonathan Dowdall has now completed his evidence after eight gruelling days on the witness stand at the Special Criminal Court. He is the main witness in the case against Jerry Hutch, who is also known as the Monk. Now, this may sound repetitive, but it is important. Mr Hutch is on trial at the non-jury court where he is charged with the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Airport Hotel in Dublin on the 5th of February 2016. He denies the charge. Two other men, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy, are also on trial. They are accused of helping a crime gang to carry out the murder by providing it with cars, but they are not charged with the murder itself. Like Mr Hutch, they deny the charges. Joining me now to discuss the trial is the Star's chief reporter, Paul Healy. How's it going, Mick? So, eight days of evidence done for Mr Dowdall. I presume uh, he was relieved and I presume everybody in the court, including yourself, was relieved when it was over. Absolutely. It's been a... Well, it's been entertaining, but it's been a long couple of days. But Jonathan Dowdall, for sure, was uh, was relieved. Uh, the very last uh, sentence that he said, the last utterance from Jonathan Dowdall today was, is it over now? Um, almost a disbelief, I think, on his part. Is it over now? It was quite clearly over. I mean, Mr. Graham had said to him, thank you, Mr. Dowdall, and he sat down. And um, yeah, that was the last sentence anyway, and he was able to leave the room. I, I, I'm struggling to remember anybody, a witness who's been on the, the stand that length of time. I mean, it's usually one, maybe two days. But look, I mean, I'm sure there have been, but in the cases I've covered, and that's that's more than a few I don't really remember, outside tribunals, I don't really remember in criminal cases anybody being on the stand that length of time. So it must have been completely draining for him. I, I can only imagine. I mean, I, look, we've been talking the whole way through this, how he has been extremely frustrated and, and continue to ask every day, how much longer am I going to be here? Uh, as I say, I think it got to the point now where he was nearly in disbelief that it was all finally over today. I think there was a potential that it could have gone on for longer. Um, but one key thing happened today. And maybe it's worth talking about this first, actually, uh, because we all thought uh, that today was the day that Mr. Grehan, uh, defending for Hutch, was going to play uh, a tape uh, that Jonathan Dowdall had had somebody make of him torturing a man in his home, Alexander Hurley. That's something he spent a bit of time in prison for, as we know. Uh, he says this man was trying to defraud him. He had put a... a, a an ad up on done deal in relation to a bike this guy came over he felt that he was trying to defraud him and, and take money from him and so he made the decision uh to torture and waterboard this fella and have a person in his household film the whole ordeal uh and throughout this uh, mr Grehan has come back to him about it again and again and again um and today he said he wasn't satisfied with the answers he'd gotten from mr dowd all about that and he felt that he had no choice but to play the tape because he needed to to put it uh, to Dowdall directly. Um, but this was objected to by the prosecution. Prosecution counsel Sean Gillan objected to it uh, and said there was no basis, no reason for it to be played. It had nothing to do with the charge before the court. And Mr Dowdall had already answered at length uh, about it uh, and taken ownership of it and apologised for what happened and served his time in prison for it and ultimately a ruling uh, was made by the judges uh, they sided with the prosecution on that fact um, that Mr Dowdall has already explained it and it has no evidential value um, in relation to what we're hearing before the court the charge against Mr Hutch 
Sorry, Paul, can I just clarify or just ask, what was the defence's, did the defence give a rationale for wanting the, 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 the video and audio to be played? I think the rationale was that uh, Jonathan Dowdall, uh, they weren't satisfied with his answers in relation to it. And in particular, he, his Mr. Gretton's position was that, that Dowdall will, will answer things when he's, I suppose, caught on tape in relation to it or when something, when there's clear evidence that it's happened. Uh, he, he'll answer questions about it but w- when there's doubt over particular elements then he won't answer questions about it or or he'll divert the subject and I think there was an issue where um, Mr Hurley had made allegations about what had happened prior to even being shown the tape uh, and Mr Dowdall had made allegations about things that he said did and didn't happen that weren't filmed on the tape and he admitted to the things that were on the tape because he couldn't he couldn't uh, explain them away I suppose so I think he was just trying to catch him on that issue of you know you've no objection to this no issue with this because you're caught on tape with it um, but when it comes to everything else you'll lie you'll explain it away etc so I, I think it was to help his argument to boost his argument that you can't trust the word this guy says I suppose um, but the judges didn't side with it they, did, they didn't see any reason uh, for this video to be played so I think that could have been what that to, to my to the original question that could have been what um delayed us and brought us into January if that had been played we we would have been still talking about doubt all into January. Can we just clarify one thing? Um, just I'm I'm slightly confused. Nobody knew outside the victim and the aggressor. Nobody knew about the waterboarding incident until the Garda Special Branch raided Dowdall's house and found the memory stick. There hadn't been any complaint or any. Nobody knew about. It. So in other words, if Dowdall hadn't videoed that or hadn't kept the the memory stick. He probably would have got away with it. Yes, uh, and and that's been put to him uh, by Brennan Gretton that you know when he went on to the Joe Duffy show, uh, he he didn't think that anybody knew about it or anyone would ever find out about it, because uh, you know he says I've no involvement in criminality. Uh, he now accepts that he might be classed as a criminal because of what he did to Alex Hurley, uh, but Mister Gretton has put it to him repeatedly. Um, you've only said that because you got caught. You we got found out. But yeah, it's worth. Uh, sorry to answer your question, Mister Hurley. Apparently, didn't come forward to the Gardaí. Um, um, um. There were issues in relation to him, and Mister Dowdall said, uh, that he didn't come forward because uh, there were issues about him defrauding people, uh, and and that that he uh was serving a suspended sentence in relation to something else, and so Mister Hurley didn't want to um didn't want to go to the Gardaí because of that uh, but but there were other claims that on Mr Hurley's part for Mr Hurley that perhaps he was living in fear uh, because Mr Dowdall had had threatened him um that he was in the IRA and that uh that they'd feed him to the dogs uh if he ever came forward and and so that you know that perhaps was the real reason why Mr Hurley wasn't so eager to come to to Gardaí because he was in fear for his life and waterboarding would do that to you i mean i'm not being facetious if you are waterboarded you would be in fear for your life afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I look. I mean, whatever Mister Dowdall's explanation for, you know, this man was trying to defraud me or whatever. You can't get away from from the crime that was committed here. Now he he says he's taken full ownership of that. He says he served his time for it. He went to prison, um, and he says he dealt with it. And obviously, the court uh, agrees to a degree that 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 he had been grilled enough on that and explained it enough uh, that that we didn't need to see the tape. So, so that was a huge issue. We thought it was going to be played today, but it did, but it ultimately wasn't. Can we just go back to earlier today? I understand, as we said before, when Jonathan Dowdle first took to the, or when Brendan Gren, senior counsel for Jerry Hutch, first started cross-examining 
Jonathan Dowdall, the first thing, effectively the first words he said to him was that he was a, a double liar. Now, I understand that there was there were accusations this morning that he was lying again. Yeah, he, he denied that, that he was lying uh, about this, you know, this confession in the park in Whitehall. It was put to him again by Mr. Gretton that, that he was lying about that. And we'll come back to that because things wrapped up today uh, in in relation to that meetup in the park and the timings of it. And and this is possibly the, the most interesting thing that happened today, but I'll come back to that. I just want to mention something that we talked about on the podcast yesterday. It's just come to my uh, attention that um, there was a quote from Jonathan Dowdall about Yiz never did the Regency. Got a bit more context to that because we were played that transcript uh, in full today. And it was in the context of um, Dowdall was talking to Hutch on the transcript about what he might say to the Kinnahans. Um, and he was saying, that you would say to the Kinnahans, "Yes, never did the Regency." I know that's. He would say, "Yes, never knew. Yes, uh, never did the Regency," uh, and I know that's a lie. But, uh, and I know it's a bit ridiculous. But you, you'd suggest to them that "Yes, never did the Regency," and you can hear Mister Hutch say in response that he doesn't think it should be said who done what, uh, in any proposed meetup with Daniel Kinnahan, the Kinnahans, and he proposed peace deal. Another interesting thing that came out of. Um, you know, the talk about the peace deal, which I thought was interesting, was that perhaps the younger Hutches might not accept it. Um, in particular, that that Patrick Junior uh, might feel betrayed by Jerry Hutch uh, if there's talks about, uh, you know, a ceasefire about a, a kind of a peace deal. That was just something that was of interest to me from those tapes. And that's an interesting point, Paul, because just separate to the trial, covering this feud since. Well, we all know it started in 2015 with the murder of Gary Hutch, but before that there was the attempt in 2014 to murder Daniel Kinnan. So, you know, it, it's it's been going on eight years, more than eight years really. And one of the things that I've always been conscious of is, you know, the Young Turks. Because there are, you know, young, aggressive people on both sides who won't let this lie. And I know we can talk about this later in, in the other part when we're answering questions, but that is an issue that there are... You know, you have wiser, older heads and then you have young ones who who won't listen and who are reckless and who are aggressive. So that, that is a fair point. Yeah, uh, just on this subject, there's another thing we're talking about. It might sound a little bit boring, but the reason why it's crucial, uh, I'll explain. But there there is a sentence from Jonathan Dowdall about, um, I'll just get the exact quote, uh, that it, it was used in the Regency. Um, you know, he's saying, did you did you say it to the lads up north when you were talking to them uh, that it was used in the Regency? Uh, initially, he says that it was you in the Regency. And Jerry Hutch says, what? And then Dowdall says, well, obviously they thought it was you if you were giving them the guns, the AK-47s, the yokes, as they're referred to in the tape. Um, and then there's like an ah yeah or something from Jerry Hutch, and and again it, it then he says, well uh, you, you didn't say that it was use in the Regency, and he was grilled on this today. You know, what do you mean by use? And he he accepted that he meant the Hutches, the Hutch gang, and I think Mister Grehan was really spending a bit of time on this because he's saying when you are saying use, you mean the Hutches. When you're saying you, you're saying it's you mean Jerry Hutch, and the key to that is that the prosecution are effectively saying that what Mr. Hutch says in response to this uh, may be may well be a confession uh, because uh, Jerry Hutch says something like he knows he knows yeah 
you know, so they're talking about this meeting up north. Dowdall is asking, did you tell them it was used in the Regency? And Hutch says something like, he knows, yeah. And the prosecution might make a bit of an argument about that, that this is potentially uh, caught on tape, a confession from Jerry Hutch. Uh, and that's why Mr. Grattan spent a bit of time on it today, because I think we've already heard him allege that Jerry Hutch is hard of hearing. And so he says, what an awful lot. So uh, there's an implication here that perhaps Jerry Hutch didn't fully understand what Jonathan Dowdall was asking him. So I think that was just uh, something interesting that happened in the morning. And so if I'm hearing it correctly, you know, there's a difference between you and yous. So, you know, this is great because this is my lo- love of crime and love of language coming together. So you is obviously singular and yous in Dublin parlance would be plural. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yous, he acknowledged he meant the Hutches and you was Jerry Hutch. But the difference is when, when he asks him about you, Hutch says what? And when he says about yous, uh, Hutch says, uh, Hutch says, yeah, he knows. It, it might seem like a small thing as a 10 hour tape is a very small exchange between the two men but the prosecution are alleging that on this tape there is potentially a confession from Jerry Hutch recorded and that may become a huge huge part of their case because the other part of their case is an allegation by Jonathan Dowdall that Hutch confessed to him in a park and obviously there's no tape for that the only thing that the only thing that they have for that is 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 Jonathan Dowdall's word but again I, I'll come back to that I, I suppose at the end of things. Um, so when we finally got to around lunchtime, we finally got to the end of the tapes. Uh, Mr. Grehan uh, said to Jonathan Dowdall, they were done. You might be relieved to know that we're done with the audio now, uh, Mr. Dowdall. So when we came back from lunch, then we fully expected that we were going to have this uh, this torture video played. But as I've mentioned already, there was legal argument about that and they decided, the judges decided that it should not be played. So then a really bizarre thing, well, I thought it was a bizarre thing happened. Um, we were going to listen to the Joe Duffy show. We were going to listen to an extract of uh, Jonathan Dowdall's interview on Joe Duffy uh, just after his home had been raided in March of 2016. And it starts off literally, uh, good afternoon, you're welcome to Liveline, and the music plays. And it's just bizarre because you're sitting in this tense courtroom and everyone's sitting there listening to the Liveline music, which you know is quite lively and, you know, uh, it was just bizarre. It was like all of a sudden we're just all sitting there listening to RT radio. But anyway, uh, we got into it. I, I won't propose to talk about this for very long because people are probably very familiar with this interview, but Dowdall insists that he's not involved in any criminality, any crime, and he's an ordinary decent citizen respected in the community, and he doesn't understand why the guards have raided his home. Um, and he moans a bit about uh, a vehicle being taken. Oh, they took the flashy vehicle and they put it on the back of the van, and he complains about the media uh, knowing about it. Um, and he complains that his life is effectively over. All of that was played to him in some detail. Um, but really, Mr. Grehan was challenging him in relation to, you know, when he ultimately was being talked to by the guards later that year, uh, he clammed up uh, when he was being asked about Alex Hurley, when they when they put it to him about Alex Hurley, when they knew about it. Uh, you clammed up. So he basically said, you... Uh, I'll get the quote, but uh, he he had um, said, contrary to your performance on Joe Duffy, you clammed up when the guards were trying to talk to you. Um, You thought you could ride it out by going on Joe Duffy by playing the indignant victim of a plot. Once the guardee started to challenge you, you clam up, you say nothing. 
Uh, he said, the man who can't shut up on Joe Duffy can't say anything uh, when challenged by the guards. Um, you know, look, we've we've gone through this kind of already, but he just, he, want, he wanted to kind of play it to him and get his reaction. I just thought that was a, a very interesting portion of the, of, of the day. That was this afternoon. Um, it's just something for, that stemmed from that that I thought was uh, insightful was we got a, a little bit of a... Um, of an insight I suppose into Dowdall's mindset about his future we know that he's going to go in potentially to the witness protection program will have to leave the country and that um but it, you know it was put to him that when he when the guards questioned him about Alex Hurley uh he knew his life was over um and Dowdall said well there could have been some hope before this murder charge and Mr. Grattan said well you know that's exactly it um but Dowdall kind of got annoyed about that and interrupted and said no look I'll always rebuild my life uh, he said no matter if I have to dig up dog shite cleaning a kennel I'll rebuild my life so uh, you know he's he's still steadfast in that position of his that that he thinks uh, that he will be able to rebuild his life after all of this just thought that was fascinating well, well he will no he won't have to dig up dog shite because he will have a new identity and he won't have a criminal record or won't have anything he will be he will have a new life so you know, as you always say with the, the witness security program, if he gets on it, it's the equivalent to what he has now. So his life that he had here, you know, it'll be similar to what his life is over there, right? But you know, he'll he'll be he'll have a new life, and you know, I don't think he'll be having to dig up dog do. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting exchange. I mean, it, you know, we we didn't get too much of an insight into uh, you know his mindset now about his future. So I just thought that was worth. Just another thing before I move on. Again, a throwaway line, but I mean, it, it, it sort of shocked me. You know, Dowdo was being asked about why, you know, clamming up to the Guardian, not saying anything. Uh, he disclosed that when he was in Wheatfield Prison, he he said that he'd heard about uh, the guards being outside um, Jason Bonney's house and he'd heard about Paul Murphy. Briefly, just to explain, Jason Bonney, Paul Murphy are also accused uh, but before the court, they're now they're not accused of murder. They're accused of, of facilitating the murder by providing vehicles, and they deny that charge. But um, Dowdall alleges that he heard in prison um, that if Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy, uh, if if any of them pleaded guilty, he said they'd be shot. Uh, and he was indicating this in terms of why he couldn't speak himself and why he felt he at that point in time he was not able to defend himself because he was being challenged about a another quote that he get another thing that he said to his psychologist. Uh, that if he went to court in October, uh, I would be found guilty of murder, he said uh, to his psychologist. And he said in court today, well, that's because like, he couldn't defend himself, obviously in fear for his life. And he, he makes this claim. Uh, we don't know if it's true or not, but he makes this claim that if Bonnie or Murphy pleaded guilty, they'd be shot. That's what he was told. Did, he's up, no, obviously, he obviously, he was obviously in prison at the stage and, you know, he would have been on the what we'd call the Hutch landing. But did he give any indication who told him or who said that or who he heard it from? No, uh, we moved on from that. Brendan Gretton obviously didn't want to um, ask him about that. He brought that up himself. And as I said, throughout this uh, trial, sometimes Dowdall says things. It's not necessarily answered the question. Uh, Mr. Gretton is always trying to lead him back to the question. So he, he didn't spend much more time on that. And there's throwaway lines throughout this that we have to kind of pick and go, oh, that's interesting. You know, it was said and we moved on. Sorry, sorry, Paul. Just one thing that struck me as interesting is um, phone records of, uh, around the time of this vaunted meeting in the park in which 
Dowdall alleges that uh, Jerry Hutch confessed to the murder. So that would have been on the uh, 8th of February in Whitehall in North Dublin. Maybe. <laughs> what this, this, this is the most interesting thing that happened uh, in today and it happened right at the end. Obviously, Mr. Grattan was waiting to, I suppose, hit uh, Jonathan Dowdall uh, with his final uh, questions uh, on, on the central allegation that... Uh, Jerry Hutch confessed to him in this park in Whitehall days after the Regency. Um, and he put it to Mr. Dowdall that uh, in his interviews with Gardy several times, he alleged that this meeting happened between 11 a.m. and midday on the 8th of February, Monday the 8th of February, the same day that Eddie Hutch, a brother of the accused, was murdered. Um, Which is a memorable day. I mean, it's a few days after the Regency and it's a few hours before Nettie Hutch, whom he knew was murdered. So it is it is a memorable day. It is a day that would stay in your memory. Yeah, well, Mr. Gretton said, it. you know, these are kind of two very significant events that happened in your life. And it should be very clear in your mind. Um, but Jonathan Dowdall, uh, I will explain this now, but, but once uh, certain things were put to him, he started to cast doubt on exactly when it happened. Uh, he said that he wasn't sure whether it was the Sunday, the 7th of February, or whether it was the Monday, the 8th of February. He believed it was the Monday, the 8th, but he wasn't sure. And that was, he said that after it was put to him that a phone analyst uh, had been brought in um, to kind of confirm his whereabouts at the time. Um, and his phone was found to be pinging off a mast uh, near the Navan Road uh, at, at, at the time was 11.58 uh, on the Monday, the eighth of February, um, and then after that, and he lives. Sorry, yeah, Paul. He, he lives, lives there. in the Navan Road area. Yes, he lives there. And then it pinged off uh, an area in Dundalk uh, after one p.m., um, and that caused Jonathan Dowdall to interject and said, "Well, then it obviously wasn't the eighth, was it? It wasn't the eighth, then, wasn't it?" Uh, you know. Well, uh, Mister Grattan put it to him. Well, you're you're the one constantly telling the Gardaí that it happened on the eighth, uh, and. You know, he says that he received a phone call from Kay, uh, the wife of Patsy Hutch, uh, on the evening of the 8th. Uh, she told him that Eddie Hutch had just been shot dead. And he can remember that. And in fact, the phone land analyst was able to corroborate that uh, phone call uh, or that a phone call occurred uh, uh, shortly after 8 p.m. It's 20 past 8, I think, on the evening of the 8th from Kay to, uh, to Jonathan Dowdall. Um, so Mr. Gretchen put it to him, well, you know, obviously that's been corroborated to an extent that you had a phone call there, yet the records show uh, that you were you appear to have been in the Navan Road area and Dundalk when you said you were in the park in Whitehall with Jerry Hutch. Uh, and then, you know, when it comes to the Sunday, now th- this may throw things a little bit back in in, in Jonathan Dowdall's favour to a degree, although it, there's a contrast still, but uh, his phone did ping off a mast in the Whitehall area of Dublin on the Sunday, the 7th, uh, but uh, at a completely different time at 3.16pm that day in Whitehall. And then Dowdall said, oh, well, then, you know, that must have been the time. Um, but, you know, he, he insisted, look, my recollection was, he said, this is years ago and seven years ago, but my recollection always was that it happened in the morning. Um, but he but he says, I never, I you know, I, he actually said, he, he have me confused here, Mr. Gretton. But he said, look, it could it could have been the 7th, it could have been the 8th. His recollection was that it happened in the morning. But if the 
phone was pinging off the mast at 3.16pm, then maybe that's the time it was. Um, and Mr. Gretton said, well, are we going to move the time, are we, just to suit your record, to suit the record? Uh, we're going to move the time now, are we? And there's there's one, maybe we should just remind people of this. Jonathan Dowdall is a state witness. In other words, the prosecution are still, you know, have had all their witnesses. So the, the prosecution, now that this is done, will call another, they have the right to call other witnesses. You and I don't know. There's no list that we're given every day. But it could well be that there will be a, a, a data analyst from the Garda Chiacana who'll do the cell set analysis and show, yes, this, this and this. That's all up in the air because we, as I say, we don't have the list and we, we don't know what's coming next. Yeah. Well, look, uh, all was was uh, insistent upon this, that he was telling the truth. And Mr. Gretton uh, finished this argument up by saying, well, all we have really is your say so, that this confession happened, that this meetup happened. That's all we have. Uh, and and Dowdall says, look, throughout this process, uh, you've been calling me a liar. And he acknowledged that there were points in time where he had been proven uh, a liar, where he had lied. You said I lied before the special criminal court, he said at one point. Um, there, were, <laughs> there were points in time where he had been proven to have lied. But he insisted, what I'm telling now is the truth. And at the end of it, the truth is the truth. He told me he shot the kid and he met me in the park. And he insisted that that is the truth. Uh, he also made uh, as a mention about Colin Fox, um, deceased superintendent. He said the whole case was going to be based off Colin Fox if he didn't take the stand. Um, look, um, I don't propose to talk about this much, but uh, this, this, uh, Mr. Fox was obviously the lead investigator originally. Um, we didn't get into that, but ultimately Dowdall finished up by saying it's up to the judges uh, in the chamber and if they don't believe me, well, that's up to them. And that's where we kind of left it. And he's absolutely right. It's the three judges. They're they're obviously eminent legal people. And they're sitting through the whole thing and they will make the decision. So he, he, he he's completely right there. There's no jury. It's three judges and they have to, as I keep on saying, they will make findings about everything. And they will give a very considered judgment and we'll see what they what they believe and what they disbelieve. But Paul, can just uh, uh, this is always something that interests me. His demeanour and that of Jerry Hutch. What was it like today? Was he, you know, because I say eight days is a really long time to be in the witness stand. How was he today as it went on? I thought he was a little more measured. And towards the end, uh, and again, it's like he was aware that we were coming to the end. Uh, doubt all. I mean, um, in that he wanted to get that point across look i'm telling the truth and if you don't believe me so be it but it's up to the judges to decide uh whether i'm telling the truth and he was insistent upon that uh, and co- confident about that and and um you, you know look there were other days where he was much more frustrated i would say that at this point in time he he was a bit more uh, comfortable he was aware that he was coming to the end of things and he wanted to to finish uh, with that point that look i'm telling the truth um, and when it came to Jerry Hutch, I think Hutch has been relaxed the whole way through this. I mean, he's just sitting there and he's looking at John to Dowdall. Again, Dowdall doesn't look at Hutch. He never looked at him, not once. And uh, when things finished up today, uh, when he f- was finally confirmed to him that it is indeed over, <laughs> his nightmare, I suppose, on the stand is over, um, he got up, he left the room. Again, he didn't look at Hutch. He walked out. Um, and that was it. Uh, thanks, thanks, Mr. Dowdall was the last thing Mr. Gretton said to him. Um, and uh, yeah, I I think it was hard for Dowdall to believe. He did seem a little uh, shocked that it was over. Uh, but but uh, other than that, 
I, I would say generally speaking, he was more um, more measured today. Uh, he, but he wasn't challenged as much until really the end of the day uh, than, than maybe he had been uh, on previous occasions. And as we know, or as you said, when he has been given evidence, there have been several guarded detectives and a couple of prison officers in the he's in the the jury box, so it's nice and spacious. Would that still be the the case today? Oh yeah, he's surrounded. Uh, but with his plainclothes members of Ungard Shiakana who have these earpieces in, and then um, there were several um, Irish prison service uh, prison guards around him. Um, the security presence has been high throughout all of this, uh, as you know, Mick. And hasn't let up any day, um, uh, you know. But look, it's gone off, I suppose, without a hitch in terms of any security concerns. Uh, obviously, nothing happened in that regard, and the guardie would be relieved that they did their job impeccably. Um, and you know that this high-profile witness now goes back to Limerick Prison to serve out the remainder of his sentence um, for facilitating the murder. We don't anticipate that we'll see him again. Um, the the prosecution did have an it would have had an opportunity to um to further question him if they wanted to but they uh, Mr Galan indicated that uh, he was finished with Mr Dowdall as well and there is an irony that we always we've in relation to the regency we've heard the the term emergency response unit the guard emergency response unit which is you know the the the, the three men who dressed up as SWAT team members the irony is that it's the guard emergency response unit who are escorting. Mr. Dowdall to and from prison, you see them in their uh, ID Q7. So there's the fake ERU at the Regency and then it's the real ERU who's, who are protecting Mr. Dowdall uh, to and from prison or to and from the court. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, and then you have the armed response unit as well, don't you? Um, oh, it, it, the security is very tight. So you have the, uh, the armed response unit who are sort of in between no, normal guardy and the emergency respondent. They're the sort of first responders and they're uniformed. Uh, and you see them outside the court. They have dis- distinctive jeeps that have red markings on them to show they're armed and it says armed support unit on it. But then there's the emergency response unit who would be a, a, a tier above that. And they provide the close protection. But there's very, very significant security. The ERU are there. Are all the lead alphabets, ERU, the Armed Support Unit and the Public Order Unit are there as well. So And the, and the regular guardies. So that there's no messing with security. Absolutely not. Um, well, look, it's been a proposed to leave it there. Uh, we, we're going to do a Q&A after this in a separate pod. That we hope to have out tonight as well. Um, but just want to say thanks for everyone for listening, for following. Uh, had a we've both had a lot of dms from people um uh questions which is why we're doing the q a even had uh, a couple of people tap me on the shoulder in the last couple of days uh, to say that they were listening in which is great so just want to say thanks and uh happy christmas and uh we'll be back in january thanks very much everybody